Hello everyone, this is George Mapp with the Carolina Tar Wheels. Today's speaker is Maria Finnegan. She's a yoga instructor and she's here to help us understand how yoga can help us as cyclists. There's the physical aspect of yoga, the stretches that we can do after a bike workout to straighten out our posture. And then there's the uh, mental component of yoga, which can help us cope with feelings of stress and anxiety and aggression and inadequacy. Here's Maria. Um, hi, thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat. Sharon asked me to do this several months ago, and I can't believe like when you anticipate something and then the date is here, we're finally here together. So thank you for inviting me into your space. My name is Maria Finnegan, and um, for the past 20 years or so, I've been uh, somehow involved in a fitness career. I've taught yoga for about that long and um, pretty much every format of fitness and workouts. Uh, Sharon and I met because I used to work at the UNC Wellness Center for many years in Meadowmont. And um, as Sharon said, I now uh, I work for the other school here, Duke. And <laughs> I know I always get some mixed response. And uh, I have three growing children. They are uh, seven and a half, nine, and 11. And I'm grateful for my career in fitness because as a mom, it's allowed me some flexibility and I can kind of make my own hours and uh, enjoy being with them, but then also have my career when it fits in. And so I am happy to be here tonight to share what I love about yoga and also to see how we can bring yoga and cycling together. And so, so when I discovered this thing called yoga, like, I don't know, 25 years ago, I loved it because I loved stretching. I played competitive soccer growing up, and I would always be in, at like midfield, like stretching in between a play, and then I'd go run, and then I'd stretch, and I just loved the way my muscles felt. And then all of a sudden, this thing called yoga came to my gym, and it was just like, oh, this is just stretching. But then I happily learned over time that yoga is more than stretching. And I have enjoyed over several years now learning and studying about yoga. So I think when we think of yoga, of course we think of doing you know, crazy poses and bending our bodies like pretzels, but what I thought would be nice for us tonight is to do some of that, but to also give, give you a chance to learn what else yoga is. So having said that, yoga comes from the word, the Sanskrit word yuj, Y-U-J. And yuj is translated to mean union. So when I'm teaching my Duke students or my students that come to my pints and poses classes in the brewery in, in Hillsborough, we are practicing the physical aspect of yoga. But yoga itself means union. And you can think of a union as uh, breath and movement or the union of uh, right and left sides of my body, or the front and the back, or the top and the bottom, or myself with my higher power. So I like to start off by understanding what yoga means, and then kind of take us on a little bit of a journey from there. So yoga, as we know it, right, like I said, is, is the physical practice, right? We all think about yoga poses. And thousands of years ago, somebody named Patanjali, and I brought a book just to as a visual, Patanjali compiled everything that we know about yoga. So in this book, there are 195 statements 
about yoga. Okay? Now, in the 195 statements about yoga, there is only one sentence, one, about actually doing poses, right? about actually doing asana. Asana means pose. So that means there's 194 other statements in the teachings of yoga that have nothing to do with being able to do down dog, tree, or splits. So my friends, one of the things that Sharon said that I do is I teach stand-up paddleboarding yoga. So that means that we take a paddleboard, which looks like a giant surfboard, and we take it out onto some water, whether it's a pool like at the sportsplex or the, or the wellness center, or we go out on a lake and we paddle and then we do yoga on the board. And what I have found through doing land yoga and paddleboard yoga is that there are a lot of parallels between the practice of yoga and the way we think about yoga and life. Very deep, I know. Finding your balance, breathing out, being mindful of where you are and what you're doing. There are likely so many parallels between what you all do when you're on your bike and what we do and what we learn about when we talk about yoga. Okay, so I'm going to make a few statements or assumptions, and then we're going to dive into them a little deeper. I assume that when you are biking and cycling, you are very focused. So just like when I'm paddling, I need to be focused. When you are cycling, I'm going to assume that you are maybe being, becoming aware of your breathing, right? We, we all breathe. Our bodies do that on, on its own, right, on their own. But you're probably aware of that, right? You might even have certain breathing techniques. Well, the same within yoga. We call that pranayama, control of breath. Um, I would say that you probably have to think about how your body feels, right? Right and left, top and bottom, front and back. So that means that we can probably draw a lot more parallels between yoga and the teachings of yoga and what you do when you're on a bike. Because I want to see what you think. Maybe, maybe you'll look at cycling in a different way, or maybe some of the things that I will share from my yoga practice and from my yoga education will help you on your bike. So friends, in our yoga teaching, remember, 195 statements about yoga, only one about actual physical poses. In these statements, the person who compiled these statements, Patanjali, teaches us some guidelines of living. Okay? So the first one is a concept that I preach every day to my children, to my students, to my friends, and I try to practice myself. It is one of ahimsa. So ahimsa means nonviolence. I like to spin negative words to positive words, so to me nonviolence can also mean kindness. So I'll give you an example when we're on the mat. Uh, when we're practicing yoga, it might be very tempting to come into a pose and really force it and maybe get hurt, right? It also might be very tempting when I'm doing a pose to look around and be like, hmm, they're all better than me. I'm really not good at this. I, I really need to practice more. I should do better. I, sh I, I need to do better. I'm not good enough, right? So we can be kind to ourselves in our actions and also in our thoughts. So ahimsa teaches us that. What I try to teach 
my yoga students who come to my classes looking for that physical workout is that what we learn on the mat and what you learn on the bike, you can also take off of the bike and the mat. So we could delve into this and we could be here for the next three months talking about it. But before we move on from Ahinza, just start to think about how are you good to yourself when you're off your bike, when you're off your mat, in your thoughts and your actions. Uh, One little side story. My neighbor, ironically, when I was putting this together, I'm like, oh, I'll tell them this story. And then I realized it had to do with biking. So my neighbor next door one day came over and said, can we borrow your bike pump? And so we shared it with them. And, and it was a, it's a couple. And the woman said, yeah, we're going to go uh, biking today. And then she said something very demeaning about herself, something like, I'm going to get my fat butt on this bike. And her husband immediately said, don't talk to my wife that way because he did not like hearing those words come out of her mouth about herself. And it was so striking to me. I actually wrote a whole blog about that. But I thought, isn't it so easy for us to put ourselves down, right? But, but we would never talk about somebody else that way. And so when I'm talking to my college students or my, uh, my friends, my peers that come to my classes or the cycling group, my message regarding Ahimsa is, What you practice on the bike, can you practice off? If you are celebrating your success on the bike, celebrate it off as well. Be kind to yourself in your actions and your thoughts. Okay, friends, so the next principle is something called satya, which is truthfulness. So truthfulness in, when if I was on the yoga mat, being truthful in where my body is today, right? So I've gone and I've taught or I've taken yoga classes And I walk in feeling like a rock star, like I'm going to do a handstand today, a back handspring, you know, cartwheels, right? And then I get on the yoga mat and I think, oh, I don't feel so good. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. But it can be hard to resist that temptation to do it, right? So if I practice satya, truthfulness, I am being honest with myself about where I am today, right? It's okay if I can't do what I thought I was going to do. It's okay if I came in not feeling well and all of a sudden I'm rocking it out. So when you are on the bike, do you ever experience moments of awareness, of truthfulness? Being truthful when we interact with our friends. Being truthful in our words. Um, Again, my population that I work with quite a bit are college students. And so talking to them about, you know, what's realistic? Do you really, is it really the best thing for you to stay up all night or is it better for you to go to sleep? Be honest with yourself. Be truthful. What is best for you? Cool. So we have ahimsa, nonviolence. We have satya, truthfulness. The next one is ashteya, which means non-stealing. And I like this one because, I mean, when you think of stealing, you might think, like, I'm going to take your ketchup from you, right? No. So... In yoga, and then I want to hear about in cycling. In yoga, we could be in a pose, and we might might hold back from going into that pose because we don't know what's coming next, right? So I don't want to give all my effort right now because, goodness, what am I going to do next? I might need to have, uh, I might need to be able to do that handstand later, right? So in a way, I'm stealing from the moment I'm in in anticipation of what's coming next. Right? Have any of you ever heard of this thing, like this iPhone thing? Right? It can be kind of distracting. 
right? Um, my three children are very fond of their iPads and uh, their peers, right? So this or other distractions can steal from where we are, from the moment. And as we talk further tonight, we're going to talk about this idea of being present, being mindful. And I would anticipate that for all of you on the bike, you have to be very present, right? We can't be looking at our phone. Although I do see people looking at their phone while they ride bikes. Have any of you ever seen that? I'm, I know you all don't, but goodness, I want to just roll my window down and be like, stop that, that's so dangerous. But anyway, ashteya is non-stealing. So when I teach yoga, I, I teach a style of yoga called flow yoga. And so there's a natural rhythm to it, much like the way I think when I'm pedaling a bike, right? There's a, a repetitiveness to it. There's, a, there's a, a synchronicity to it. It is very easy when you get into this rib- rhythm to just anticipate what's next, to anticipate what your instructor is going to say next. And when, I, when I'm teaching, I love to throw a curveball in because everyone thinks I'm going to have them go into a lunge, but instead they went into warrior two. Right? Because I'm helping to train their bodies to be where we are right now. Don't worry about what's coming. Worry about where you are right now, how your body feels in this moment. Okay, the next uh, guideline, friends, is something called brahmacharya, which is just a fun word to say, brahmacharya. And this principle teaches us moderation, continence. And so... I, I love talking about this one because I think this has to do with balance, right? So you were talking about pulling back on how many miles you do, right? So you want to go hard, but not to the point of pain or injury, right? You want to be part of your group, and you want to have your friends and cultivate friendships and relationships, but not to the point where you are not having a relationship with yourself, right? Work hard, play hard. It's hard, it's hard to say no, right? It's hard to, to pull back sometimes, but coming back to listening, practicing ahimsa, nonviolence in your actions, right? Knowing, knowing when to say when. Number five is something called a paragraha, and this is non-greed. And I'm going to venture to guess that at some point in your careers, you might have experienced competi- competitiveness, yes? I don't know if you are competitive now or if the cycling is... Um, more of something that you do for that community aspect, or if there's a balance between competitive and more of a hobby and not super, super intense. But a paragraha teaches us to celebrate all that we can do so that we're not sitting around being jealous and envious of what others can do. So like what you were just saying, sir, about how you go out in your training groups, I love that because then my impression is that it's setting you all up to do well together because... There's not going to be someone way out there, and you're going to be like, oh, look it, that person's so much better than me. And I'm all the way back here. You're going to be riding as a pack, right? Yeah. So how, how have you all learned to deal with that competitive spirit? I'll, I will give you an example from my life, and then I'd love to hear what you say. So um, a couple years ago, I decided that I was going to stop ride, running competitive races. I was doing 5Ks, and I stopped for many reasons, but one of them was I didn't like the feeling of trying to beat other people anymore because I think from everything I've done with yoga and maybe aging and as a mom, and 
a, a friend came up to me prior to a race I was going to run. And I'm not like some hotshot. I would do decent for my age, but that was about it, okay? But she was like, oh, um, I think this year I can beat you. And I was just like, super. And it just felt so uncomfortable that I just decided, you know what? I'm good. I don't, I don't need to do that anymore. Now, I have my own internal competitiveness, right? And I'll go out and I'll try to run my own race or I'll try to master some yoga pose. I'll be so proud. I think maturity has helped me with this and, and, and being a mom and setting an example for my kids. And don't get me wrong, when I'm on the sidelines of my, my, my kids' games or when I'm a coach, I'm still super competitive, but I've been able to kind of let that go a little bit and celebrate what others can do and then celebrate what I am capable of. So, do any of you um, watch that show, American Ninja Warrior? Have you seen it where they, it's like parkour, it's crazy, they're climbing, they're jumping over really amazing obstacles. What I love on that show, we watch it as a family, I love seeing how they're all competing against each other and against the clock, but they're also cheering so wholeheartedly for one another. They really are celebrating each other's victories, and, and that's, I think that, to me, is what a paragraha teaches us, right? So you might see someone cycling, and they're really, really rocking it out that one day. You can celebrate that and also be comfortable where, where, where you are. A paragraha. Love it. All right, so friends, now we're moving on to another concept called saucha, okay? This is purity. And this is one that when I teach it in yoga, it's always, uh, it's hard to get to a less tangible meaning of it, so we'll keep it kind of fairly uh, physical and tangible. So saucha, when I'm on my yoga mat, keeping my area clean, taking care of my stuff. And I would assume that there is a lot of care and maintenance to bikes. Yes, right? I see lots of very nice bikes on the back of cars, riding to races. And when I've been, when I used to do triathlons, I see lots of things that you need to have at your, at your race, right? So saucha is purity, clean, keeping things clean, keep taking care of your things. Um, also, how you take care of your body, right? Drinking water, eating cleanly, eating good food to fuel your bodies, right? Keeping that clean. What you put in is going to help fuel those rides. Samtosha is the next guideline that we learn from our sutras. Samtosha is contentment. And so when I taught this many, many years ago, uh, one of my students was like, well, I don't like contentment because it seems like you're complacent. And I, I disagree with her because I think that contentment is just being okay with where you are right now, right? So being okay with what you can do, who you are, where you're at, riding in the group that you're riding in today, right? Grateful that my body can move, I can do this, I'm going to ride with this pack of people and enjoy the beautiful scenery that is around us. So contentment, that's one of my favorite ones. It's about getting rid of judgment and attaching to all the other stuff that just doesn't help us, right? It doesn't move us forward and just being here, being a content with where we are. On the yoga mat, um, there can be some really amazing postures and stretches that individuals can do if they want to, but some days it's okay to just rest in child's pose. Sometimes it's okay to choose the easy option if that's how you're feeling, right? or to cut the ride short and being content with that and saying, that's what I could do today. This is what I offer. 
Um, the next one is called tapa, right? And when I first heard that, I was like, tapas, it's not the food, although that would be delightful. But tapas has to do with discipline. And I would make the assumption from this group that there's a lot of discipline in cycling. I know that in playing competitive sports, there's a lot of training and, again, fueling your body and drinking water and getting to bed early. So tapas is about recognizing the discipline that, that you need to do whatever it is that you do. <clears throat> the last two have probably the coolest names. Svadhyaya, study of self or of books. And just from hearing some of the comments that you all have made, I can make a guess that you have um, learned your strengths. You've probably talked with others about how to improve your cycling. You've probably watched YouTube videos, read books about, about cycling. And so this all comes back to, on the yoga mat, to being really self-aware, right? Knowing, knowing, you know, you have a right side dominant over your left, or knowing that you need to work on your core strength, or you've got to work on your posture. So study of self could be uh, probably so many, so many different things to each person sitting in this room. Uh, the final one in this list of 10 is Ishvara Pranidhana, which is uh, self-surrender. And this could, this could mean a lot of things to everybody, a lot of different things to everybody. So it could be giving in to your higher power. It could be giving in to just, this is how the day is going to go, and I'm not going to fight it anymore. This is how my ride is going to go, and I'm giving into it. This is my ride, and I'm going to appreciate the beauty all around me and recognize that the world is a big, big place, and we're part of this big universe. So Ishvara Pranidhana is kind of getting to like a little bit of a higher power, a little bit less of a tangible thing, and putting you in a place of awareness. And these 10 tenets, 10 guidelines that I've shared with you are all part of what's called the eight limbs of yoga. And that's in this book that I shared, that showed you before. And it's moving us towards an awareness of just being present, of mindfulness. Mindfulness has become this catchword you hear all the time, but really what it comes down to is just being here, being in the now, right? Not being distracted. And as I said at the beginning of this talk, I feel like cycling and yoga go hand in hand with coming down to you've got to be where you are, right? Where your feet are, where your, where your feet are clipped into your, uh, what do you call them, pedals. <laughs> What's that called? The pedals, right? You are here, you're in this moment, you're in this now. When I start a yoga class, we usually start by settling in, fidgeting, getting comfortable, and then we breathe. And so the next piece of a yoga practice before even doing any asanas is breath. And that's what we're going to talk about now. So now that you all have kind of finished your meals and you're having your hydration, we're going to do a little bit of what's called pranayama. So prana is translated to mean life force, breath. Yama is control, so control of that breath. One of my most favorite uh, statements in the Yoga Sutras is one that is translated to go like this. It says, the controlled exhalation or retention of the breath leads to calm. 
So we can achieve a calmness about our body just by paying attention to our breath. So how many of you have ever been like really engrossed in something, reading or watching a movie, and then all of a sudden like when the ends or when you're done reading, you go, <sighs> we all have done it, right? So your breath and your mind are connected. And where the mind goes, the breath follows, right? So if we're agitated or worked up about something, you might be breathing <sighs> shallow, right? Or if you're hyper-focused, you might not even be breathing. You've hold, held your breath. Where the breath goes, the mind follows. So if we can slow down our breath, think about the breath in and the breath out, we have the opportunity to calm the mind. And from my running experience and then from yoga and from paddleboarding, I know that the breath is super important. We go through our day breathing, right? Unless you choke up or you have, a, you have asthma, like... We don't necessarily think about, oh, I'm breathing, because it's an involuntary reflexive action that our body just does for us, which is awesome. But when you get on the bike or a tough situation or on your yoga mat and your instructor is telling you to breathe in through your nose, out through your nose, you have the opportunity to really control that breath and, and reap the benefits of that control to recover from that hard climb, right? To calm down an agitated mind. One of my careers uh, before I became a mom was I taught fourth grade, and I used to teach my, my little sweet little children how to do yoga, and we used to breathe a lot. And the, one of the best memories I have is the next year, one of my students who was now in fifth grade came running up to me on the playground, Miss Finnegan, Miss Finnegan, I was so nervous about taking my EOJs today, but I took three deep breaths, and I was calm. And I was like, oh, Sarah, you just made my day. But it works. It truly works. I'm going to show you a few things. And if you flip your page over, I have a list of some of the awesome poses or stretches that I perceive would be really lovely to do to counteract uh, a cycle session. Now, research has shown that, and you probably all know this, I don't know, prior to a workout, we don't necessarily hold a lot of poses anymore. We don't stretch and hold stretches for a really long time. The, uh, the more beneficial warm-up is a dynamic warm-up. So when you're talking about your rides, I'm sure that you probably move your body a little bit, but then you just get on your bike and you go, right? What I'm going to show you this evening, I would love for any of you to try after a ride, or on your off days or any other time of the day. But what I'm going to show you is not necessarily something that you would do prior to a ride because the idea is that it would be beneficial to your body after you've done all that contraction and that flexion and extension of your hips and your glutes and your hamstrings and all that, your quads. So friends, starting at the top of your body, relaxing the muscles in your face. See if you can soften your eyelids and your cheeks, and your jaw. As you breathe in and breathe out, soften across your chest. So those muscles that we use when we are in our cycling posture, releasing those muscles. Inhale, exhale, softening down across your front torso, so your abdominal muscles that stay contracted when you bike, relaxing the belly. Bringing attention, friends, to the back of your body now and relaxing the muscles at the, uh, the neck, 
and moving down your spine slowly, pausing and relaxing the space between your shoulder blades. Moving down your spine even further to your tailbone and softening the length of your spine. Breathe in and breathe out. Moving down over the lower half of your body, friends, and softening the muscles around your hips, the hip flexors, the quads, relaxing your glutes. Like we said earlier, feel and let that breath go to the muscles that we're targeting here, allowing them to rest and relax. Continuing, friends, this journey down our body, down into our lower legs as you move over your kneecaps, relaxing the backs of the legs and down into the shins and the calves. Inhale, exhale, relax the ankles, the feet. Allowing the arms to be soft, either at your side or a hand on your heart and your belly, breathing in and out. And then pausing for a moment and just kind of scanning the body from toes all the way back through the head. If we are holding on to any tension anywhere, allowing the muscles to relax, to soften, to release. You are here, you are present in this room, surrounded by friends. One breath in, one breath out. And very gently, friends, when you're ready, just reintroducing a little bit of movement to your body. Maybe that means you move your shoulders a little, or your ankles, your feet, your toes, your wrists, your fingers. And as we get ready to say goodnight, friends, I'm going to end our class the way that I end all of my yoga classes. So when you're ready, bring your palms together to rest at your heart. And taking a moment to feel grateful for all that your bodies can do, for what you do on the bike and what you do off of the bike. And for this time to come together as a supportive community of cyclists and friends, I thank you for inviting me into your space and letting me share some of what I know about yoga. The light in me honors the light in each of you. Namaste. Thank you.